Hello everyone. Today we get a special episode and I want all young kids, young players out there take some notes of this show today because we have a special guest, the guy who changed the way of European youth football. Kids right now have a real chance to go over in the United States. So when I was young, I had no chance. Of course, I had not a talent and the size to do it. But there was no way to go over there. And now with me again, my co-host, Coach Mena, and I give over to you to introduce our guest today. Um, hope everybody's doing well, staying safe. Um, I have the pleasure of introducing actually a really good friend of mine. I hold him dearly. Um, it is Brandon Collier, CEO and founder of PPI, so Premier Players International. How's it going, buddy? Everything is good, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's a pleasure. How's the family? Thank you. Family's good, man. Son acting up a little bit. He wanted to use the computer, but uh, <laughs> uh, interview. But no, family's good, man. Happy, kind of happy to be. Well, sad about the coronavirus, but happy to be able to spend more time with my family because I was doing a lot of traveling. Went to Australia, was in Sweden, was in Serbia, all within one month time. So now I spent the last month really enjoying my family. So, but ready to get back to work soon. Where are you all right now? In the States? Or uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm living in Wiesbaden, Germany. Oh, perfect. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. I was about to say that because since I know you, since you kind of began this, I believe back in 2014, uh, I think, 2014 third, third, 2013, I think we met using Olive Boy. I was, well, I came to, for Wiesbaden. It was, was coaching in Wiesbaden for the year. I got injured, so I was coaching. So I remember we met um, in Olive Boy 2013. Right. So basically, since then, you've been busy. So I can only imagine, at least for now, I mean, at least in a way, it's good for you to be at home, be with the family. Yeah, yeah. Settle down because we all need this. Um, I see you got the kettlebell in the background. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, doing a little at-home workouts here and there when I can. Okay. Um, and one of the big reasons we want to talk to you, too, especially during this period, because everybody knows from what the most part they know about you in terms of Premier Players International, PPI, um, and your Dream Chasers tour that also is going to happen this summer or, God willing, something is able to kind of work out. But right, right. Going, going to that topic, um, you are regarded as essentially, I mean, now they're calling you the ambassador, right? <laughs> so you're basically the ambassador of the GOAT of European <laughs> football. I mean, and I know people have asked you, what was that? I said, I'm going to run with it. <laughs> hey, you could use it. It's a good name. It's a good <laughs> name. It's catchy. But that's the thing where you you basically built, and I'm gonna call it, it. It is essentially, it is a movement. It is it is a culture that you have now built here, where many from the very beginning said this is not possible in right. Europe. When when players come up, they think what automatically they think soccer, and you changed the mindset of many, if not all, American coaches, especially at the top level, Division One, that there is talent out here. Right. My deal to you is like. Also, going back until um, you growing up playing football and all that, I mean, it has to feel good, right? Like, you have to give yourself a pat on the back at some point. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. To be honest with you, I don't think I probably give myself enough credit because I don't think about it like that. But when I sit back and listen to interviews and read articles and basically the, the messages I get from kids or some coaches that makes me like, damn, I really changed someone's life. I mean, I... I mean, of course, growing. I mean, I grew up in inner city of Cleveland. I mean, come from a single mom with with four with five older brothers. So, I mean, it was it was kind of rough growing up. Like I said, we 
wasn't wasn't the poor. Well, I would say I wouldn't sit up and say we was the poorest, but we didn't have much growing up. I mean, my mother did much as she can to raise us, but like I said, I came from a environment where drug infested crimes. I mean, I probably had. I mean, off the top of my head, at least 50 people I know got murdered. You know what I mean? From from me being born until right now, I know at least 50 people and probably 10 childhood friends that life was taken earlier by gun violence. So I kind of used football. I mean, I didn't start playing football until I was 15 years old to my, um, I'll say, sophomore year of high school. I played two games as a sophomore because so I went to a – I went to a suburban school just kind of illegally because I was riding past. I seen a, 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 a green turf for the first time in my life. So I told my mom I wanted to play. So I knew somebody that lived in this suburb. So I used their address to, to go to this school. But this person was uh, dating my brother at the time. So they broke up. So this person went and told the school that I really didn't live there like two games into playing football, so I had to move back to um, Cleveland. I was already living in Cleveland. I had to go back to Cleveland Public School. Nobody really knows this story, to be honest with you. I haven't really told anybody about this, but went back to the Cleveland Public School, didn't play didn't play football that year. Then I went crying to my mom, like, ah, this is all I got. I want to play football. So she ended up moving to that, to that same area with that school, fortunately for me, and kind of how I kind of started my football career. So I played there my junior and senior year, ended up um, going to University of Massachusetts on a full scholarship after that. That's kind of how I got into really what I'm doing now because I didn't have a coach um, that was helping me with my recruiting. I was doing it all on my own. I'm not going to sit up here and sound like I'm 50 years old, but we had to make cassette tapes. We didn't have huddle or anything where I could send a link out or this. I used to wake up literally at five each morning for three hours out because you had to take a tape. You had to have two VCRs. You had to, to, to double a tape. You had to take two at one time. So you, so my highlight tape was like – it was one hour because I had 30 minutes of highlights and I had 30 minutes of one whole game on there. So I had to wait. So I could make two tapes every morning. So I wait separate, wait two hours. Then, like I said, I, I would probably make five between eight and ten a week. So I would ship out, I would mail these things out to coaches. I probably mailed out at least fifty tapes on my own. I mean, I had a job, so I worked all my money I had made. I sent to either buying cassette tapes or FedEx and one night in these tapes to coaches. So that's kind of how, like, really, that's how I got into what I'm doing now, man. Because it was a lot of work for me um, at this time, just doing my own recruiting. So it's pretty, it comes easy and natural for me right now because how much I worked back in the day on doing this. How, how was that transition for you being a guy that let's say, cause I've been there. I mean, that was basically for us at Juco where we had the two VCRs. I remember that sitting there and have to put it up yourself and then you fucked up, you had to redo it. Like it, it was tough. I just understand like huddle nowadays. Oh, guys like that's, that's taking so much work out of it already, but right. um, how was it a guy for you coming like that where you basically weren't highly recruited, having essentially dig a path for yourself to now go to UMass and then continue professionally? Yeah, so, man, I, I, I'm not even going to tell a story exactly how I got my scholarship to UMass. I'm going to say that at a little later date, but um, 
But like I said, I w wasn't highly recruited because I went to a high school. I mean, a lot of coaches didn't come to it. They didn't have a Division One kid from this school probably in 20 years. I'm not sure, even longer. So no coaches really knew the school, and the coach didn't have any connections to get me. I mean, I was talented for sure, but they didn't have any connections to get me anywhere. So I literally I took a took a phone book because one of the coaches had a book with all the coaches' numbers in there. So I took this book from his office. He didn't use it, so he didn't care really. So I literally for hours called coaches every night, every night, every night. Some didn't answer, but the ones that did, I just told my story to, just kept telling my story to. And and it's kind of like um, I was I kind of wrote this on Twitter yesterday last week or a couple of days ago that um, I couldn't afford a I couldn't afford a phone, so I had a prepaid phone. So I had if I didn't have money to put on there, a coach couldn't get in contact with me if they liked me. So and, uh, a week before signing day, like I, I missed on an offer from Indiana and I, three power five offers I, I missed on because I didn't have a phone to because the coach seen the tape late and he called me and said, okay, we want to give you a scholarship. So I, I didn't have a phone to even ask. So a week after signing, after I signed with UMass, I was able to pay the phone bill and I um, had the voicemails of three power five coaches and they give me scholarships. And I was literally in tears because, I mean, UMass was an FCS school at, at the moment. I mean, if I can go back again, of course, I mean, of course, I'd have loved to play Ohio State, but, I mean, I wouldn't change me going to UMass because it was the best time of my life. I mean, really, like, I worked really hard for this scholarship, not only, like, on the field as talent, but I really gave six, seven months of my own money and, and my own time. Like, I didn't do anything else but call coaches and, and make highlight tapes. That's it. I did that for about seven months straight, so – I mean, once I got that scholarship, man, I'm first person for my I – mean, my first time on a plane was my official visit to UMass. Never been on a plane before. Never been out the side of the state of Ohio until my visit to UMass. So, I mean, it was – so, to be honest with you, getting that scholarship was everything for me. Of course, I mean, I was crying because I missed out on bigger opportunities. But at the end of the day, man, I was getting the free education to school. that I wasn't complaining about it. Right. Um. How was it playing for a guy like? Was it because your DC was Don Brown, right? It's currently no, my head coach there was Don Brown. So he would be. Yeah, he was pretty much a DC as well. There, he's the DC at Michigan. I mean, uh, when I when I went on a visit there to UMass, I mean, he sold me as his number one recruit. So that's kind of. I mean, I did. I had um, another offer, Youngstown State, and I had some Mac schools that came really that last week. Um, um, but I still decided to go to UMass because, like I said, he, he sold me as his number one recruit. And, I mean, I love his in intensity, man. And just playing for a coach like that, I mean, I knew that he would excel one day. My D-line coach, he was the D-line coach at Penn State for the last six years, and now he's the New York Giants D-line coach. So, I mean, I knew that me playing for these guys, I was going to get an opportunity because, I mean, I knew they was up-and-coming coaches. I mean, Coach Brown was a little older, but I knew that he was much bigger than UMass, so I'm not surprised about the success he having at Michigan. And I mean, it was, I mean, I started four years, played for, started all four years, man. So it was, it was a great, I mean, it was all conference three years. So it was, it was, I feel like I had a great career. Um, definitely. I mean, would you say guys like Don Brown and your position coach were also like father figures, since you said you 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 grew up in a single parent household with your mom? 
Yeah, yes and no. The reason the reason the reason I say um no because I didn't know I don't know what a father figure is. I mean I never even grew with her, so I don't it's I mean my mother is my father figure, so I, I so they could never treat me as good as she mm-hmm. and but I mean if they was male figures, but I but so for me I would say it's more easier for a person that grew up with a father to say another person is a father figure because they know what that is, but me not growing up with a father, I didn't know what a father figure was. So I, so I say, but they were, they were male figures in my life that I say, I mean, they, they helped me on my journey and I still talk to them even past recruiting. I still talk to them periodically and keep good relationships with them, man. But like I said, it, it was, it was a blessing plan for some great coaches, to be honest with you. Definitely. And then now talking, you know, now you had the opportunity, you know, the privilege to make the jump essentially straight to the NFL, right? Was it with the Eagles first? Yeah, yeah it was, well, kind of how that worked out. I mean, uh, people probably don't even know this story either. I mean, I, um, so my senior year, man, I, I was getting a lot. A lot of scouts, scouts was coming in talking to me. Man, I had a very good season, but I had tore my pec and um, really couldn't couldn't even move. Couldn't couldn't move my arms. Uh, and later in later in that year, so I ended up going. To, so after the season, I did pro day. Did really well at the pro day, man. But I failed the physical when I went to take one with a team, and I failed the physical. So I ended up going to Vienna, Austria in 2011 because I, I missed, so I graduated in 2010, missed that whole year rehabbing uh, my torn pet. And then I went to Austria January of 2011. And I mean, that's when I played against Shuan with, uh, well, he was with the Raiders at the time. He lost to them, and I think the champ, one of the two of the championships or something. But I mean, I, I was healthy, I, mean, I had a good season, so I kind of, I wouldn't really say I sent this film to the NFL with my age. I didn't send it, but I more so show people that I'm healthy. So the Eagles was like they was interested in me out of um, college. But so after um, okay, so let me take it after after Vienna. I went home in July. Really, man, I, I was down there homeless at that point. I was, I mean, I, I was really going back to nothing. Let's just say that I probably had. A thousand bucks to my name, like that's it. Now, my, one of my best friends from college, EJ Barthel, he's the he's running back coach with the Carolina Panthers right now. But he he was a trainer at that time, so I went to train with him and really stand on his couch for about two months and oh, for about a month. Then I went there. Yeah, so July first, then August first, he was gonna move. So he told me, man, um, like the, like man, I gotta. What do you say? Um, you're gonna have to go, so you're gonna have to go back home somewhere because I'm moving out. I ain't really got nowhere for you to stay. So shit, I'm like, damn, I don't really got a home to go back to. So I so kind of like a um a story I tell some people I tell some people in the spiritual world, I start praying to God, like, man, this is I don't know what to do. I don't have no money. Didn't even have a phone at this time, didn't even have a cell phone. So I have no money, nothing. I don't know what I'm going to go back to. So literally, I'm in tears, praying to the most high, like, man, do something for me. So this is a true story. The very next day, um, my agent couldn't even get in contact with me because I have a phone. So he called EJ. He, some, I don't even know how he knew we was together, but he called EJ and said, the Eagles wanted to sign me. Like, 
and literally I was about to go. He was he was kicking me out. Really wasn't kicking me out. I was kind of overdid my stay, but he was telling me I had to go. So so when they caught when he when he gave me the phone, like I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't in shock because I prayed about it. But I'm like, damn God, you really real up there. So yeah. he, he EJ ended up driving me to because they was the camp was in. Lehigh, it was in Lehigh, Pennsylvania. So it's about an hour or two from where we were staying at in New Jersey. So he drove me there, man, and shit, the rest is history, to be honest with you, man. Like my I came from there my first day of practicing, man. I had three sacks on Michael Vick. I mean, not really tackled, but I beat guys to be like I was making it. I mean, I was so hungry because really I knew if if I didn't if I didn't make it right now, I wouldn't I don't know what I'll be doing the rest of my life. So I mean, I went in there, man. Really, like the first three, four play, the practices, man, was like people, man, like, damn, where did you come from? And like they was writing articles, like, and they was like, man, I, I'm like, damn, I was just playing in Europe. And they was like, man, no way, like it was crazy. Like they was looking at me, like, damn, this this guy belongs here. So, but unfortunately, the fifth practice it was, I had broke my, I had broke my ankle. So, end up. I don't know how it happened, man. Somebody, like, every, every time I think about it, like, it gives me goosebumps. Like, but somebody rolled up on my ankle, and it was unfortunate. But, man, to be honest with you, man, that changed uh, it changed my resume forever, changed my life forever. Man, I ended up getting an injury settlement from them. So they had to pay me money just because I got hurt. So, I mean, mm -hmm. but so after that, I mean, that experience, I mean, like I said, it was – once in a lifetime, man, that, that that I would never – I mean, I could tell my kids about, man. So, I mean, I still got the checks from them sitting up in mm -hmm. class because, you know I mean, it, it, it was uh, – still got my contract and things like that. But, unfortunately, with football – well, I only had a one-year deal. So, after after the after the rehab and stuff, they mean, of course, they let me go. And I ended up going to playing in Canada – I ended up going to playing in Canada in Winnipeg. The next year, the next year and a half, I got let go from them in the summer, uh, right before I came to Wiesbaden. So, so um, after I played, I started in Canada for a year. In the plan, I mean, I was really, I, I was back and forth with injuries, some leg injuries. My ankle didn't heal as good as I wanted it to be because I kind of rushed it, just trying to get back. But um, end up, end up going to Wiesbaden where I met you the, the year after. So that's kind of how how I went from NFL to the CFL and to to so I mean I so I mean I kind of appreciated the European football just because they gave me a platform to showcase myself when I mean it's no really farm leagues for the NFL so it's kind of European I kind of use that as a spring farm league to get get to the NFL. Right. And, and you, you talk about, because I read about a couple times in a few articles about you where they talk about, and also I think believe you wrote this also somewhere in your, in your website, where when you had your first exposure to football out here in Europe and Germany, per se, you realize like, oh shit, these guys can play ball. Yeah. You know, like they're, they're, like some of these guys need to be in the States. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that, that, that's kind of one. So, like I said, how it started me having a love for for what I do came from my senior year in high school. Because uh, like I said, I didn't play much to to grind and loving the process. Like I love to wake up 
early in the morning to make these tapes. Like I wasn't complaining, nobody was doing it for me. It was the grind and the process that I appreciate the most. At the end, when I got that scholarship, I could say, damn, no, I really had to do this on my own. I mean, of course, I love to make had an easier process, but I wasn't complaining about it. So it, it kind of, um, so going back to you, what's your question again? I'm sorry. Talking about in terms of like your first exposure coming out here to Europe. Okay, 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 okay. So when I first got to Vienna, um, they had, I mean, it's about, I think it was at that time the best European club. I mean, them and Sparkle Raiders and probably Berlin. I don't know. A couple other teams. I mean, they was one of the best te- best clubs in Europe. But but the, the Austria rules and difference from the Germany rules is I think guys can play men's team at 17 or eight, 16, 17 or 18 years old. One of them. It, yeah, like I know Germany, you got to be 19 or 20 to start playing. But out there, you can be 17 or 18. So I'm going to begin a guy in practice. He ended up going to college, Alexander Milanovic. Um, he was only 17 or something. And I mean, not that I was struggling with him having a, but it wasn't he. I wouldn't say it was just walked in apartments. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the same age as a high school guy that I was going against in high school. And I, I was walking through guys in high school, but I couldn't really walk through this guy. He was a big guy that, that was physical. So he kind of gave me, like, damn, these guys are pretty decent. But I would say – the guy from Swarco, from the Raiders, um, they had a young kid. I think he was 17 or 18, man. I forget his name, but he was 6'5", 6'6", 300-some pounds. And this fucking guy, when he hit you, like, I really felt it. I, I would have thought he was my age. When I found that he was 17 or 18, I'm like, damn, like, there's no way this guy's not. <laughs> like, seriously, like, I, like, my talent, I felt I could play at Ohio State or one of them. But I'm like, damn, this kid. I couldn't, I couldn't, I, if I was 17 and this guy was 17, there's no way I could get past this kid. That's definitely so what I, I saw also, like, with 2014 when I started coaching, and I remember I got invited from Suarco and mm-hmm. we to go check out their camps and help out. That's the first thing I saw. I saw 17-year-old kids, like, DBs, balling like they were 25-year-olds, like, hanging right. around, and that's what took me aback. I was like, that's right. the first time I saw, and, and don't get me wrong, coming from Algoy when we were second league, we won, and we moved up, but... I hadn't seen guys that caliber until I started right. in Austria. And I was like, where are these kids coming from? Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. So I think one – and then it was a couple other young kids on that um, that Vikings team, um, Lorenio. Um, he was on – he was 17 years. He was a rookie on that team. You know Lorenio Welch? Lorenio Welch, yeah. He, he played, played he in the universe. He played with me in university. Is what ended up coming to play with me, but he was a young kid that was 17 years old that was fast. And he was asking me, "Man, can you help me get to America?" You know, at that at that time, I mean, I wrote a couple coaches, but it wasn't really serious because I was really focused on my career. But that's the kind of the in 2011. That's when I really get that thought. One day, I want to help these kids out here. So that's kind of how it started. So then ultimately you ended up at Frankfurt University, and I believe that's what kind of like it blossomed, right, with the Frankfurt University? Yeah, yeah um, so in, so in Frank, when I, when I was in Frankfurt, um, well, okay, when I went to Wiesbaden, when I, was, when I was injured that year, I was helping and training some guys, and, and they had a good, pretty good deep tackle. I was calling some coaches I knew back home. 
can you look at this kid? Can you can you look at this kid? And you know, I mean, they 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 was looking, but it still wasn't taking it so serious. And I wasn't so pressed on it like I am now or when I started. So in 2014, um, continue. I was I was playing in Frank. Actually, I played in Fork. I played with the Raiders in 2014 for a few games for the Big Six. Then I came and coached in in Frankfurt. Then 2015 is when I first played in Frankfurt. So that's kind of when it, it started to become even more of a reality and things like that. So um, in 2016, I, I, um, somebody sent me a message on a kid. Actually, I was refereeing it. I was refereeing a game in, in an all-star game that was in Hanau, and they had a kid. They had a kid on the Belgium team named Thibaut Dubai that I seen for the first time. I'm like, damn, this like, I'm like, damn, this kid is explosive. He's fat. And in my back in my mind, during this, I shouldn't be saying this, but during this whole game, I'm just really watching him. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm a referee of a side judge, but I really watch it. I'm critiquing his game as a reference for the whole game. He didn't know this, but even I see him on kickoff, man, because this is the men's team. This is a men's game. This was – he was he was the youngest guy on the team, but I see him on kickoff. He's the fastest guy down there. He's big. So I'm like, damn. Back of my mind, I'm like, this is the guy that's going to take it over the top. This is the guy going to be that first guy to get us through the door, so to say. So that's kind of how when I see him, I'm like, yeah. Then um, I exchanged numbers with him after this game. Um, then his dad – I went, we, he's from Belgium, on, a, on the coast of Belgium, and I was living in Wiesbaden. So I said, okay, I drive two hours, and you drive two hours. So we, we met in Auckland, Germany, just fucking found a local scrappy park and just put them through some drills. I filmed it, and I started shooting this out to coaches, and they like, damn, like, this kid is explosive. So I, um, I mean, you want me to elaborate more on that, or you want, you want to go to another – you go a little more. You keep okay, um, so I called my coach, that coach D line, that coached me on D line. He was at Penn State. Um, he's the the, the D line coach at Giants now, but he was at Sean Spencer. So I'm like, man, you got to see this kid. So he he said, ah, man, I, I love the film, but our head coach not gonna sign off on the kid unless we see him live. So I called Tebow parent dad, like, man, you gotta get this kid to the states. You have to. So we ended up flying them to the States and working out at the Penn State camp. Did well, didn't, didn't run as great as they wanted me. He just came off playing. I think he ran a 4.9 because I told him he ran a 4.7, which he, is, he was around a probably a high 4.7 kid, but ended up running a 4.9. But when you at Penn State, can't be a DN running a 4.9. They need 4.7 kids. And that's kind of this is kind of the criteria to look at. But he did, but but he's like, man, this kid can play. Actually, when he's like, man. I would love for him to um, play another year and try again next year. That's how much I like him. But um, he ended up going to a, a camp at Towson, which was close by. And, I mean, and he did very well at his camp. Got a scholarship on the spot. And I had another coach that's at Albany that I called and said, um, you got to offer this kid. And the Coach Spencer from Penn State called the coach. And, yeah, if I'm you, I'll offer this kid. And he ended up getting a couple offers and, and decided to uh, – Signed with Towson um, in December or January of uh, December of 2016. So, so you would say that's basically where it started off, right? Yeah, that, that's where it started. 
Because now we're looking at how many years later, and it's from what you posted yesterday, 61 yeah. scholarships now with Philip, my guy from Robin or from Razorbacks yeah. University. You know, like my, my, my deal is like this this whole process because like you talked about, you're a guy that enjoys the process and you try to instill this in, in your guys also to tell them, hey, if I see right off the bat film-wise that I think you have what it takes, you got to trust me, trust the process, and I'm going to take you there. How does it feel for you in terms of – because essentially for you, right, like we just already talked about it, like there's multiple people that said whatever you were doing was basically stupid. Yeah. And now you look at it 61 full rides later, I mean, that, that has to like – it's 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 a shock, right? Because like we said already, you changed the culture, the European culture. Yeah, yeah, you know, but you know, man. To be honest with you, we dealing with different cultures, man, and and whether we like it or not, I have to respect it. You know what I mean? Because not saying this in a bad way, but I'm still don't get the credit I think that I deserve for helping change the whole landscape of youth football and how not only kids view themselves or coaches out here, but how the Americans view the whole situation out here now. I mean, like, it's going to get coaches opportunities one day from out here. It's going to, and players, it's going to create so many different opportunities and, and, and avenues for so many people that, I mean, I would hope that people start to appreciate the work one day, man, because it's not easy. Like, like literally, I'm on my phone, like, uh, me and my girl arguing every day because I'm on my phone because, you know what I mean, I, because if I, if I find a kid, I got to help this kid, you know what I mean? Like, regardless, I just, it's just in me, like, I can't stop it, you know what I mean? It's like a, it's obsession, obsession, like, where, you know what I mean? Like, the drive in me, like, I need to help this guy, I know. I mean, because if I put my name on the line for you, I'm going to do everything I can to get you there. But like I said, to, to go back to that question, I mean, but I do get more respect and credit from the American side where people know, like, damn, this is what – this wasn't easy or, you know what I mean, like, like, the, like I said, they – like, I got an interview. I got a uh, – actually, I'm jumping on a podcast with Andy uh, Andy Staples, one of the biggest guys for podcasts. Um Actually, I think tomorrow we we jumping on, but these guys recognize what 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 has been done out here, man. So I'm just hoping that I mean the kids appreciate that. At the end of the day, the kids do appreciate it, but you get but you also get some kids that don't understand the amount of work that was put in because it looks easy from the outside, but they don't understand that without a certain person putting their name on the line for you. This would I don't care how good you think you are or somebody say you are, it takes a lot for somebody to trust this person, man. So with the so with the trust I've built up over the last three years with coaches, man, I if I see a talented kid, I can probably probably it's a high chance he's gonna get a scholarship. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean you are the first guy who who go the other way. In here in Europe everyone thinks what we need to do to get guys over here, you know, how I get in touch with an Ohio State guy. Mm. And you are the first guy who say, you have talent. Let me help you. I bring this guys, these kids over there. Mm. So let's say I'm 16, 17 years old. What, what I should bring on the table, what I should bring to get in touch with you, to say, as you say, you have a real chance of a scholarship age 
of course, what the kids don't see is crates at school. Right, right. Say, coach, I'm 16. I can bench press 100 kilos 15 times. Uh-huh. But what, what is about school? What is about this? You say you have a real chance to go over there. Yeah, man, to answer that, I mean, I've been doing this. I mean, I've been blessed with an eye for talent. I mean, not to sound, not to toot my own horn, but I really got an eye for things. And within, within five minutes, I can tell if a kid can play Division One football. I mean, really fast. I can just tell by certain, of course, if you're 15, maybe 16, your level of growth could be, uh, I mean, you got a window or longer. But if you're 17, 18, right away, I could tell if you could play at that level. So, but, I mean, speaking on what you talk about, I mean, academically it's very important because the one fortunate thing, especially German kids, they usually do pretty well in a classroom and compared to American school system. So I never really had a problem so much. But the thing I do that the kids do run into problems with is when they 18 years old and they decide they want to play college football, it's kind of late on some things because you didn't take certain classes where you – you 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 went into the workforce. Okay, I want to study architecture, but I'm only taking architecture classes. But the the sad part with the NCAA is they don't really care. We had a kid, for example, from Austria. He was a certified accountant, but he didn't have all his core classes because he didn't take the right maths and sciences, so he wasn't eligible. Although he's smart enough and can pass through college pretty easy. He wasn't able to play his first year because he didn't know these rules. So the earlier you get in touch with us, I would say around 15 years old, is 14 to 15 is probably the prime ages where you try to get started because you enter in high school, so you need to know which classes to take. But like I said, in Germany, um, it's a lot better than some other countries in terms of the education. But we had a kid out of Finland, man. He had a full scholarship to Florida. They wanted him to sign right then, but he couldn't because he didn't have the right – he was taking um, security classes. He wasn't taking the right classes. And, I mean, he and now he's at home right now, and, man, a kid could have been playing in the swamp for one of the best coaches in America, Dan Mullen. I mean, like, it's – so that's one thing – that's one example I give. And, but at the end of the day is one thing I would tell all the young kids out there, make sure – you preparing yourself. Get with trainers. Like, don't. I mean, one thing. One thing about European kids um, compared to American guy, American kid, or American parents. Americans, we invest in our kids a lot more. I don't know why. Maybe because education ain't free, so we feel okay. If we invest for X amount of years, and okay, we'll put this money aside. If you get a scholarship, it pays off. If you don't, at least we try. At least we. It's an investment, but it, but the Europeans, I would think that if you if they invest more into into their futures with football, whether it's trainers, whether it's, I don't know what it is, some type of investment, I think you'll be better off in the end. Just because I mean, we all had trainers and stuff. You need that type. You need that work. And that's true. I mean, that's something where where we've looked at it. Where I mean, you see, there's a lack of it. You know, and that's in terms of, I mean, and you know me, I also come from the strength and conditioning background and I was mm-hmm. doing that. Um, and also talking to other coaches where you see the difference in the States just in terms of strength and conditioning compared mm-hmm. to Europe. Don't get me wrong, there are really good coaches. And I had one of my best friends yesterday on who was one of the top strength coaches in Poland, if not mm-hmm. the best. But you see that, that huge discrepancy, you know, and also kind of looking at it where it's like, 
I mean, also, I think it also comes down to also misinformation as well, where these kids don't know what they need. They mm-hmm. think, oh, I need to train like a bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, we know this, and this goes now even further, where you're talking about preparation. Like, you need to be on an adequate strength conditioning program mm-hmm. with a proper coach that can get you ready not only to play, so the physical demands of the sport, but also what now? And we have combines, and we have what? Also down, down the road now with the Dream Changer store. Like, you have and yeah. on the field. If you're not ready for that interview, that's a shot right there. Like, can you run the 40? Because the second you line up, and we know this when I've been helping with you since the beginning, we know off the bat if these kids know how to run the test or not. Oh, no. understand, like, when you get invited or you know there's a combine, shit, we said all the time, go look on YouTube. There's videos man, they get, for days. They get it easy right now, man, with the YouTubes and stuff. We didn't – I mean, I guess I'm not going to act like I'm vintage, but – uh, we didn't have YouTube when I was growing up. I couldn't say how how do you run a four yard dash. Somebody instruct me for twenty minutes on how to do it. But and that, that's the and that, that's what I would say. I would say the Scandinavian countries are way more prepared for these type of things. Like every time I go to Sweden or Denmark, these guys know how to run these tests. But in Germany, you'd be surprised that these guys never did this stuff before. Like, and it's. I don't know what it is. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm blaming the kids because they have, if you really want this, you, you got to go on YouTube and find it. You can't blame your coach for it. Yeah. You, you can go on YouTube and find out how to do this pretty. You can go read a book. I mean, people got instructions. Hey, yeah, so, it's, so it's pretty, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty simple to learn some things today, man. And no, it's, it's, you're right. It's funny you mentioned it. Cause I remember back in when I was at JUCO and I was studying, you know, kinesiology, but, where your boy uh, Bartel was at, DeFranco's. That's the first time I got exposed to DeFranco's. And you know what I did? I bought his PDF and the video, how, literally how to beat all the combine tests. And back in the day, and they ended up changing because they knew all his guys coming through DeFranco's gym were beating the tests. I literally went out there. I remember training for that, for, for our combine that we had then in May. You know, and it's funny that you say that. It's like, I went out there, and even whatever money I was getting from my Pell Grant, I'm like, I spent that shit. I'm ready for combines. Right, right. You know, I bought a sled. I bought videos. I bought, you know, PDFs. You know, now the shit's gone. But, you know, I, I spent my money in it. And to be honest, I even say it now. I'm like, it was worth it because n- nothing against our strength coach. But, you mm. know, we didn't have a guy that. That's when that would he specialized in. He don't specialize in that. His exactly. job is not to specialize in that. Other people got them type of jobs to specialize in that. Right, and we've been talking about it too. And now with the with the CFL combines out here in Europe, I mean, I was at the one in Paris, and I spoke to you too. I mean, the 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 head scout um, from the CFL was also like he he was taken aback because this is the thing, right? You had all these French players who there's a reason why the CFL NFL are scouting in let's say France and now in the UK because you have dogs, you have talent, raw talent, but you have talent. And what was stunning was. These guys would walk up, right, line to run a 40, even let's say bench press, for example, even their technique on that, or to run the 5-10-5 or even vertical jump. And you're looking, you're like, these guys aren't ready. Prepare, and they would test bad, like bad. But the funny thing was, we'd go to individuals after, and what do you see? you got a guy that can ball. So that was the big thing in the green light, and I believe you spoke to him as well after that in terms of there needs to be some sort of specialized programming preparation out here to get these top guys ready to perform for some sort of CFL. Hey, listen, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a sorry to cut you off. 
But if you ain't prepared to go make a million dollars in the NFL, I don't, I don't feel sorry for you, man. If you, if you can't invest some money or you can't invest some time to get prepared for an NFL tryout where you got Americans that are die for that tryout, but they don't get that opportunity. And most of them are better than the Europeans, but they don't get the opportunities because people want to try something new now. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, man, you got to be crazy to tell me you're not prepared for something that can earn you money. Like that, that's that that that's really. I mean, when I like I said, even when I got got combines out here, if I see a kid not prepared, I don't even look at him no more because if you didn't have to take the time to get prepared for something like this, man, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you're right. I mean, like you just said, it's it's not only like for an NFL contract or a CFL contract. It's also for the 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 opportunity to play in the states. Man. That's what it is, right? You this is what guys understand out here in Europe. The difference you get one shot. You get one, one shot. shot. The Americans would die to have that invite that a, a lot of these countries had at that CFL tryouts with the respective. Man. It's like man. it's it's there for your take. You got nothing else to fucking do. Man. You know. Uh, the hard and the great thing is you got guys like yourself, guys like myself, and either other guys that specialize in this type of training. But but kids don't want to. Uh, that's too much money. What is too much? It's too much money to pay. I don't know five hundred thousand bucks to go make a hundred thousand bucks. You want to invest two thousand bucks to make a hundred thousand? Yeah. It's not worth it for you. And that, that's what that you mean. And that comes where. That's kind of how, like when we, we just talk, start talking a little finances. I mean, like, that's kind of how I came into what I'm doing is because, let's be honest with you, man. Like, I, I don't want to, I don't need to call out any names or anything, but to be honest with you, I'm not supposed to, I wouldn't say I, like, I'm not worthy, but I'm saying how it's all set up, especially in the European style, I wasn't supposed to come out here and have the success I had with all these kids. But the reason I was because some other organization first started is strictly about money. Mm-hmm. That was their only goals is money. So when you charging a kid, when you first started, somebody was still charging the kids 500 bucks just to watch their highlight tapes. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and what that said is, that's kind of – I never was had the thought of charging these kids anything, but I knew that I can, I, I can excel because I have the relationships, the connections, and I'm not after their money. So that's kind of how I was able to sustain it because I didn't have any help out here in Europe. No coaches were sending me kids. I was out here – I mean, just imagine if these coaches were sending me all their kids. There'd be a 1,000 kids playing college football right now. But they – but they wasn't sending me kids, so I had to grind and really depend on, okay, trusted people like yourself, mainly. Okay, if you see a kid, okay, recommend this kid. But it wasn't happening often, but I started hosting camps and things like that, and more and more kids started coming and, and, and things like that. So, And that's kind of how I had a big outcome at the camps because I wasn't they knew I wasn't charging them money to help them so they'll come to camp and pay the 50, 60 bucks. If I pay this 50 bucks, that's probably all I have to pay moving forward instead of, okay, you get a scholarship, here goes two, three grand. I'm not charging the kid that, so. Right, and that's what, and that's what stuff don't realize with you. And, I, and I've, been, I've been there with the process, and, uh, you know, I've been mm-hmm. literally a fly on the wall, and I've been grateful to do that because 
one thing I can say I noticed is you do this out of the goodness in your heart. Mm-hmm. You're a good human being. And I mean, that's what at least like for me has helped me also along with my coaching career, because like you were saying, like what you're doing is not only helping players, but also coaches. Like, to be honest, if I hadn't been around you or exposed to you, I most likely would not be where I'm at just coaching wise. This is me. Right. Just, not, not that you made the calls that, but right. it's like, you know, I, iron sharpens iron. And I'm a type right. of guy, I need to be around people that also are high goal oriented that want to also what change the game out of the goodness of the heart. I'm not in this shit. I mean, you know, this too, like we don't get paid shit. Right. 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 I a lot more money as a GA if I wanted to, or as an assistant coach at some Juco, you know, but I'm not because I want to help out the game. Like what the game did for you, what the game of Europe did for you and for ourselves. Right. I noticed, right. Because also like, I remember in the beginning of the process, even when I was at Hall, even Jordan Newman would ask me because like, I believe he knew you from Vienna, right? Yeah. And he wasn't sure. Like there was talk going around, like right. the taking money. And I told him, no, he's not. Because <laughs> you know, like the topic came up with Alex Hunnick, who's now going to TCU, and he's like also one of your one of your biggest guys mm-hmm. you know, in the face of PPI. And I remember even being at their house and they're great people. Like that his parents, the reason why he's able to get there, and we all know this, like they've been willing to invest. Whatever they've been able to do, time, money, effort, they even go themselves. They went themselves, right, to the to the uh, Dream Chasers tour and all that. So let so don't let, let me hit on three points real fast, so I forget about them. So let, let, let's start with we said something before that, but we'll start with the Jordan Newman, which he 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 was the OC when I was at Vienna. So we had we wasn't close because Jordan, as you know, Jordan, he wasn't the head coach at the time. So OCs are strictly with OC, they're officer people. So we remember we had respect for each other, mm-hmm. uh, for sure, because he respected how I worked in here and I respected his craft. Um, so when when I first started PPI, um, you know, Slavishov is one of the teams with the one of the most youth talent. So of course I love to crack it and not and, and things like that. So as I'm trying to help some of the kids, they None of them reaching back, none of them following through, trying to get to college, I'm assuming. So I met Jordan when I got hurt. I think I seen him in 2016 after I got injured. And he came to me and really just he said, man, I want to be – he was up front. I want to be honest with you. I, I want to know what's your business. Like, what are you What are you trying to get out of this, pretty much. And after I explained to him, I think he found a newfound respect for me in terms of things. So – I seen him again last year. Actually, last year it was kind of the same question. Then I think as years go past, he couldn't find any dirt like them. No one said anything. He's taking these kids' money that. So he actually messaged me about a month ago, like, I got a kid that wants to go to America, and, and I feel you're the best in the business at this, and that's why I'm reaching out to you. So, I mean, that that to get approval from one of the top coaches in Europe, I mean, that was – that was big, and I'm definitely appreciative of it, man. So that's kind of how I'm trying to hope that coaches can understand that I'm really out here trying to help these kids, man. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's over 60 kids, not – 61 kids got scholarship. Not one can tell you that they paid me any money to get the scholarship. If, if I had this same business in America, I'd probably be a millionaire right now. 100%. I got a friend of mine that sent the kid to Yale. I'm not gonna call his name, but his fam that family paid this, paid this guy. I don't want to even say the number, but a, a number that most people in Germany won't even make a year. Yeah. Let's just say, and, and, and that's what the European, the international kids gotta understand. They should appreciate that. I mean, like I said, 
the a guy going to Notre Dame, a guy going to Yale, a guy going to Michigan off of somebody else's name. Of course, they got out of talent and coaching and stuff like that. But talent and coaching alone don't get you a scholarship. You better have a you better have a third party, a network or something like that, especially from an international. So these, like I said, these scholarships costing a quarter million, mm-hmm. along with along with along with you getting about four to five thousand per year for cost of attendance. So this divide about four years. That's an extra twenty grand going on top of that. Free food, clothes, and all of this to him, let alone alumni networks and things like that. So this is really a half a million in money that they get. That if I went to if somebody is in America and they could tell my son, I promise you, he can go to Yale. I'll probably give you fifty, a hundred grand here if you can promise my kid can get in yeah, a school like Yale or Michigan where where um, I know leaving out of that school, he's going to make six figures or even more is worth the investment. Not saying that I'm looking for them to do that, but just saying that they should be, I hope they're appreciative of, and the coaches should be more appreciative of what we're doing for the kids moving forward because it should be only about the kids. And that that last thing, what did you, what you, what you hit on last, Melee, you remember? Man, I don't even remember anymore. Um, <laughs> I really, I, I said a lot of things. You hit on something that I wanted to, um, it was after Jordan. Then, I don't remember. We'll move forward. One, we, we, one we, thing I wanted to drop real quick was also about that topic where you're kind of talking about like, um, just out of the goodness of people's hearts and want to help out people because at, at the end of the day, you got to trust the process and there'll be a return at some point, you know? So, oh, yeah. Like, we, we want to help these guys out. And I remember one topic too, bringing it up. Um, I won't talk about more particulars, but I'm going to have him tomorrow on the, on the show is Demi. He's at URI and he came from first E and he, I remember him being told oh, he's never going to make it from national team coaches. And he went to Clearwater Academy because mm-hmm. he was the best fucking centers in high school ball. What uh, he gave up, he gave up no sacks his whole career there was broke every single um, offensive line record, basically like top pancakes. And mm-hmm. I was at URI playing ball. And I remember at the time, like he would ask me, he's like, Hey, I got this guy. He wants me to, he wants me to pay him up front just to check out my tape. Like, should I do it? And I'm like, I said, bro, like, you know what? Fuck it. You know, there's other ways to go around it. Like you shouldn't have to pay that much money. Cause I knew what he was going through at home. Like he was already in a troubled home, money issues, money was thin. And I'm like, to be honest, there's no point. And now I look at him where he's at now. Like he's already at URI his second year, you know, and the prop, the, because he trusted the process at the end of the day. Right, right. You know, and that's, that's what it's all about at the end of the day, you know. It it is, it it definitely is. And, and, and like I said, that, that, that comes from, uh, I would tell you, even, even moving forward, there'll be a lot of kids moving forward that benefit from the, these three years of hard work. And probably someone would think like, damn, I got this scholarship on my own or this person helped. But they need to look into this first three to four because the ground is what really builds it, man. These, these kids that's in school right now is really laying the foundation on, because you see a lot of people even starting new organizations because they see, they say, oh, I can capitalize off of it. I, I can capitalize off this success right now that's happening because they understand that 
it's a lot of coaches looking to the international game now because we have built it up, man. And like I said, not saying I did it alone. I'm not going to sit up here and say I did everything alone. But I can tell you this. No one has put in more work than me for these international kids. No one. I've seen it firsthand even uh, a couple years ago with the, with the um, USA versus, versus Europe All-Star game. Mm -hmm. at the Basin V spot, and that was a huge event. I hope right. we'll it in the future again. Um, I know yeah. a couple people were upset we didn't have it. <laughs> no, but just seeing all of it, right? Like you see the blood, sweat, and tears, right? And, and now we talk about the yearly event that you have here that everybody in Europe, all, all the kids that want to go play ball, they look forward to, and it's the Dream Chasers Tour. Mm -hmm. and in my honest opinion, a lot of these kids, and we see it, they think, oh, I made it, and they don't understand, like, oh, that, that's just the next cut. That's, that's literally, and we kind of talked about it in the pre-call, that's like an employer calling you and saying, hey, uh, I'm going to give you an interview in a week. Be ready. And they don't understand that, like, the real work is when you get there. No doubt. Yeah, yeah j just to touch on that, man, with our Dream Chasers Tour, we started off in 2017. It was our first year. Um, we had Julius Walshaw win the Michigan. We had Xavier Scott win the UConn. We had... Uh, a few, uh, it was like 10 of them that got scholarship from that. Uh, eight of them got scholarship from that first tour. But like I said, I named a couple of the bigger ones. But how you get invited to that tour is you, sh you show up to camps and you perform and you can get an invite that way. And the second way, which is a small percentage, but if I trust the coach that evaluated kid and I trust that coach's evaluation, then you can get an invite that way. But the thing about us is we don't want to try to waste kid money mm -hmm. or our time. If you're not good enough, if you're not, because it's a lot of, I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of schools out here, but we only strictly dealing with Division One. The reason I say that is because when you go Division Two, Division Three, that's when money's involved. You got to pay money. You're not really getting full scholarships. And my advice to most kids you should stay at home and earn a free education play football out here. If you're good enough, the NFL, CFL to find you. Mm -hmm. But if, if it's just your dream of studying America, I, I'm not taking it away from you. But I, like I can tell you, that's not my, that's not what I'm, I'm looking for. I'm, I'm strictly on a division one level. I mean, I hate to say it, but that's just the level with this free education. So, so if a kid don't get an invite, I don't mean, I don't believe you're good football player, but I just know what the coaches are looking for measurable-wise, academically, and other things. So I kind of be realistic about it. And just to speak about when you get an invite for the tour, as you said, that work don't stop. You should be going to hire a trainer to get better. I mean, first of all, you should be finding somebody you can trust whether as a coach or not to get your mental IQ up for this tour. And, I mean, these tours is grueling, man. It's like two weeks of driving 5,000 miles, camp, camp, camp. Your body is exhausted. I mean, there's no – I mean, because I would say 60% of the kids come on our tour because they believe they can get a scholarship. 25% come for a vacation. You can, I want to go shake Nick Saban's hand. I want to get clean. I want to – take a picture with a jersey on, at least 20 to 25%. And the other 10 to 15%, they, 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 don't, they don't have a clue. They either, they don't, they, they don't know if they can make it, or they, don't, they just don't know. So like I said, but 
I would rather that I don't have a clue. Maybe I can make it. Maybe I know. Then the guys that's coming for a vacation to put on the jersey because they they wasting a lot of time. They wasting other kids' opportunities. Right. Because I've seen there's I believe five episodes right now that you put up. Yeah. About mm-hmm. the Dream Chasers tour, and you kind of mm-hmm. see the way that you speak to them. What's also mm-hmm. in terms of them understanding like okay this is different now because what i want to see from you guys is are you guys going to clock in and earn it mm-hmm. because i've seen you talk to them a certain way at that dream at the dream chasers tour through the videos where you look at you're trying to instill something in them because it's also part mm-hmm. of the process for you right mm-hmm. i mean because to be honest with you i i believe in some of these kids you more they believe in themselves so i don't i don't want it to be like that i'm happy i believe in them and I didn't lost relationships because of them. Because if I feel like one of my, my kids don't get treated fairly at one of these schools, I'm willing to risk a relationship by telling this coach this is some BS or something. I mean, if you talk to any of our kids that came in the tour last year, they would tell you what I did for them, and I lost one of my biggest relationships because of them. Because I don't, if you're not gonna treat the kid fairly. I, I, I can't I can't do business with you, not mm-hmm. money business, but I just can't I can't trust it. I can't trust that you that you for the kids. But so so they they all know I, that I'm for them. But you know, at the end of the day, man, it's only one side that's gonna be happy after the tour. The people that get the scholarships, you know what I mean? It's gonna be the other side say, uh, he don't work hard for me. But it's it's I, I tell the kids. I'm just like a teacher. I like good students. I like good play. They like good students. I like good players. Because that's that's the only way you're gonna put your name on them. <laughs> no doubt. Plain and simple. Absolutely. Like I said, we we had we had the first two quarterbacks to ever land in scholarships. I mean, people said this. Like I'm, I'm gonna give you another example. It was uh, another organization that that. I would say we rivals with, but I don't look at nobody as a rival. But there's another organization told one of our quarterbacks that he would never make it as a quarterback. And the kid was in tears and crying. And his coach came to me like, my, my player is in tears, crying because so-and-so said that he would never, an American coach would never take a quarterback. So you know what I did? I'm like, I believe the kid is talented, but I want to show that. I can help you, and, and you know what I mean. So, and that's what I, and that's what happened. That's what I want to ask. Uh, first of all, how big is the group you can take every year with to this uh, three phase of uh, tour? And of course, you separate before. Like, was what I want to say about the two quarterbacks. You, you you talk before with coaches over there. Like, hey, this is guys we have. And then, of course, how was it for you to to bring? I mean. People don't know how big this is. Normally, this should be on newspaper, on RTL and post even no, everywhere. No, no, no. First German kid signed, and not signed with a Division three college, signed with big name colleges. Yeah. But you know, but you, you know why? You know why it's not because it's an American over here that changed the eye. I mean, that's you you, you, you. you talked about it before. You said for the the biggest impact or reaction you see is not in Europe. It's from the states. It's not. I mean, I got Barton Simmons. I got what's my man? I got Andy Stable. I got 
Bruce Feldman calling me on the phone. These guys, millions of followers, they calling me about, about doing interviews. But so to answer your question, the first year we had 15 kids on the Dream Chasers Tour. That's when I first started. The second year we had 30, 35 to 40, I don't know exact. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, the second year we had 30. The third year we had 40. This year I was going to take 100. A hundred. Like a hundred. A hundred. Really? How are you doing this? How big is your step? It was gonna be. It was. It was gonna be two separate tours. One okay. tour fifty for two weeks. Another kid fifty. I, That's a lot. I, I mean, you know, it, it, it was so much talent that. Yeah. It, you it's know, I this 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 one of the kids is just. I mean, be at home away from home, nine thousand miles away. We all know the strict rules about America when. You know, one of these knuckleheads opened up a beer with 18 years old. Man, I think, I mean, I think these guys got so much, so much respect for me. Yeah. That, that, that they would never do nothing like that. I mean, I think that they don't fear me as me going to hurt them, but they fear this guy got my future in his hands. I'm not going to, I'm going to stay away. I'm going to stay away from anything. Cause they not coming. Like I said, I know you got. I told you about that fifteen percent that's coming there just for vacation. But they still got some. They still in their back of their mind. Hope he can get me to a school. So yeah. they're gonna have that respect. I, I haven't. Ah, one kid. My first tour. I had a little because he he smoked a little. Not 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 any drug or cigarettes. So I had a little trouble with that. But great kid though. Didn't have any. Problems with them, but that I would say that that was one of the only things that I had. But overall, okay, I, I give you this. My my my. So I take that back. My last, not this two years ago. Um, it was the last. It was it was. Listen how listen how kids can be. A lot of kids got scholarships for this tour. The last day. Rutgers wanted to see a kid, so I had to drive a kid two hours, and so I was so tired as I drove. So the other people, the so I they was all leaving the next day. I was staying. So the other kids, uh, they I had a I had a guy on that tour with me. I'm not gonna mention his name, but uh, I would just say he took all these kids to New York City, which was in New Jersey, and I'm responsible for all these kids. I don't want these kids in New York City without me. So I came back. So what I did is I called somebody and said, I don't care how y'all get back. Everyone better be back in this hotel within an hour. Mm -hmm. I mean, they all probably had to take 100-year-old Uber rides to get back. <laughs> I'm talking about I was flipping out because, first of all, they didn't say bye. They didn't tell me anything. You know what I mean? Like I said, my only thought, man, you guys in New York City, if something happened to y'all, it's on you. Everything is falling on me. Yeah, so, so like I said, I I was I was so pissed, man. But that had never happened again because I'm briefing them all. But overall, man, the tours was amazing. I mean, it's a ton of work. To be honest with you, man. Like for that two weeks, three weeks, I probably sleep three hours a day, man. It's it's exhausting. Like like literally, man. Like I, I'm on the phone with coaches all day. I'm I'm my adrenaline pumping even more than theirs to wake up to the next day and things like that, man. So it's it's very exhausting. Right. 
it's it's awesome it's awesome and how how you feel what can be then the 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 next level for let's say talk about these two polar backs you think that can start on one point and be a german starting quarterback in college football or yeah um with the, with the with the two quarterbacks it was luke wentz he went to virginia um so people ask how a kid like that get a scholarship i have german quarterback oh because you know you get the, he wasn't that good and i mean you know you you, you hear that i thought the reason i feel like he got a scholarship for two reasons he was a special athlete superior athlete and So let's just say this, man. Let's just say this. I'm gonna I'm, I'm explain something to you guys how the tour goes. So we went to so we took a drive from Virginia to Florida because coaches wanted to see somebody. So we went all the way to, to, to Florida. So Virginia called me and they did they, you know they see a lot of we got a lot of talent because we visited there, but we didn't camp there. But in order for us to camp there. They wanted to give, basically, like, we're going to offer you kids if you come back here and camp here. So I'm like, should we camp at Florida, camp at Virginia? So Virginia, the pressure's on you guys. If you want us to drive 12 hours back to Virginia, something's better happen. I mean, let's say that. I'm not going to, I'm not making a threat, but if we drive in 12, 15 hours to come back to Virginia, which we was already at, we need something special to happen. So they got the gist of that. And Luke Wentz was that special something. And we got there. He had a great camp. He did very well. And so would he would have got this scholarship for sure if we didn't go back? I don't know. We will, who knows? But I like to say it, it happened, and he's there on a the full scholarship. So... And, and with Alexander Honing, same same type of story. I think I would say, I mean, Alexander, he's been on four of our tours. I took him to the state five different times. Let's say that. Wow. Been on three Dream Chasers tours. We went to San Antonio together for All Star game. And I took him on another tour to Texas in July. So that tells you his family is very dedicated. They're willing to invest money. It wasn't cheap to come on them tours. I mean, they, they probably spent twenty, thirty thousand all together for just to help him. So, and so it, it's not easy, and it wasn't cheap. So we went to so Baylor. He he had a scholarship. So I, UMass coach, the UMass coach came to Germany, and you know, after Alex is a kid that's been very loyal to me and been very loyal to the process, his family. So my thought process was, I want to give this kid the best opportunity so UMass quarterback coach comes here. Alex gets the scholarship. So he was, so he was, he didn't, so he was, he didn't get more scholarships. So he was thinking about committing to UMass. So my opinion, I thought he was a bigger talent than UMass. Although I went to UMass, I love UMass dearly, but I really, I think Alex's talent is really big time. So I called the coach at Baylor and said, Coach, man, this I know y'all got a camp in July. Can you guys, like, can you guys look at this kid one more time? So he called me back and said this. 
hey, if this kid comes here and do this, we're going to give him a scholarship. So so I talked to his parents and said, man, we gotta, you got to make one more investment. I, bet, I wouldn't say I had to beg them. They they trusted what I what I tell them. So we flew over. Him, him and his mom flew over. I flew over. So we so we actually there was so we went to so we only was supposed to camp at Baylor, but I, I'm I like the I like the hustle. I like the grind. So mm-hmm. I called TCU and told them Baylor's interested in this kid. Y'all rivals. <laughs> You are the man. When I need a house, I hire well, it's good. <laughs> you. Guys, listen, you guys are rivals. You, you don't want this special talent to take his butt to wake up. I'll tell you that now. So the, so the, the OC quarterback coach said, okay, we got to camp the day before Baylor camp. Okay, so it just worked out. So we was never supposed to go to TCU. So we end up going to TCU, and I – I pretty much told the coach, and we kind of made it. He's not going to do anything physical, as far as running and stuff, because he got a big camp tomorrow that he's going to get a scholarship back. So the coach said, "All I need to do him to throw the ball." So Alex started freaking spinning the ball, and I mean, he probably had one of his best days of throwing. And three hours later, they called him. We got a scholarship for you, Alex. And and then the next day at Baylor. He came there, he got a scholarship from Baylor, but I think TCU offered him first and he got that connect. Like, you know, what I mean? it's all that, that first big offer means a lot for these kids. And that's kind of how it worked. I mean, relationships, connections, and talent. You got to put them together to and get that, something like that. I mean, that you, like, he's a special talent, but can he go to TCU alone and get that scholarship? No. And that's the thing. If like, he didn't have that talent, can I get him a scholarship? No. So it goes together. It goes together. Like that's the one thing I was gonna say is like, I mean, I, I mean, we, I know the hunting family very personally as well, and I know 100% the support they put into their kids and whatever they want to do. And a guy like Alex, saying, you know, because he's the type of kid, he's gonna, he's gonna put in 110%. He's gonna trust the process, and he's gonna ride. Oh, no. And it's funny what you said. Like, you know, his mom came over with him. I mean, I remember, I forgot what camp it was one time where I ended up staying at their house before I came mm-hmm. up then to the camp that we had. Mm-hmm. I think it could have been in. Um, oh, yeah, because you said, you asked, can you, yeah, I remember. I remember. I, I remember that. And I remember, and actually, this, this kind of ties back to what we talked about before, where actually his dad asked me, this was like, I think, three years ago, maybe even four, asked me like the question, like point blank. He was like, he's like, are we doing a good job going with Brandon? He asked me at the kitchen table. I forgot, I forgot what I was eating. It was like at dinner time, and I'm like, "You put me on my hot seat right now." <laughs> I remember telling him, and I remember telling him straight up, "I'm like, yeah," because he's a guy who's not doing it for the money. Like you said, it's not only the connections and also having the talent and so forth, but it's also just going back time back to the fact that you know what you're doing it right, why you're doing it, because like even like guys I had in Marseille, right? Like you said, they they hold a high high regard for you got guys like Tyrone Simon, one of the up and coming mm-hmm. kids who has interest. Like he's got mm-hmm. the, he's got the, what the, some Kentucky coaches, Tennessee coaches, mm-hmm. like hitting them up on Twitter and stuff. Mm-hmm. And anytime he talks about you, it's like, Oh, like, you know, I can't let Brandon down and I got to be ready for this and ready for that. You know, <laughs> kind of talk about the dream day for like they're for the main goal. Like, yeah, they're kids, they're going to make mistakes and so forth. But they have you where they're like, they understand, okay, Brandon's gone through this whole process of helping out these other guys. And if I just, literally, it's like, if you guys do the bare minimum of what Brandon tells you to do, you're going to be fine. You could do more, 
But if you do the bare minimum when he asks, shit, you're set. You know? No, no, duh. I would honestly say to anybody watching this, like, don't watch this. No talented kid will be overlooked if he reach if if I get in front of him. I mean, it it won't happen again. Only how a kid will be overlooked is if somehow their coaches don't connect with me and just or or to be or not saying it's other organizations that do a good job. I'm not trying to say that I'm the only person, but no one has the relationships and the connections that I have. And no one is doing it. No one is doing it from here. Like me. I mean, like, I have to be honest with you. No one is taking like, this is all like, this is everything for me. This you know I mean, this is, it's no coincidence 61 kids get full scholarships. No, no, I mean, they not, and another thing is, they're not going to high school first where they, these kids are coming directly from here. And the reason I did it, like, I could have sent all these kids to high school, but the reason I did it like that, because it's going to force coaches to come to Europe. It's going to force other coaches from Europe to get opportunities. Okay, this this must be a good coach. This freaking kid going to Virginia. This kid going to Michigan. Who's coaching him? Exactly. If they went to American high school, no one would know about these European coaches ever. They would never have a credibility to – so that should be appreciated. And I think that's something people overlook. I mean, we are talking about before. I was talking with Coach Sebastian. I'm like, I don't think people understand, like, at the end of the day, coaches in the States. So when they look at a guy, let's say, like, a guy like Gyro. Right, right. Like a guy up and coming like Flamo Simon, right? You know, we talked about him. You got guys like Richard, you know, mm -hmm. who's not going where Eastern Michigan, right? Uh, he's going to North Dakota. North Dakota, sorry. Mm -hmm. Still green though, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, sounds close. <laughs> no, but like they don't understand like the coaches when they look at players like this, they're like, who in Europe is coaching these guys? Exactly. You know, because they're not thinking this kid became that by his own. At some point, he had a coach. So when you got a kid like that coming in, like like Richard, like Gyro, like Flamu, and they're testing positive and they look fucking good, like that gives opportunities to coaches no doubt, what, that chance to also jump to the States. Because even if it's like a simple internship or whatever it is, just to have that connection, or maybe one of their coaches says, you know what, I'll fly over in the, in, you know, in the off season and we'll hold a camp and I'll help you guys coach. Because that's one thing I saw, like for me off the bat, like just saying, like a guy like Flamu Simon, for example, that in my honest opinion, and kind of said this too, I think he's the biggest freak that's about to come out. I've never seen a kid who is six five, <laughs> is his size who can play literally like a boundary DN. He can play a single high safety. You can line up a fucking outside linebacker. He can lock you up. He can play Mike. He can do it all. He can play offense. He can play tight end. And when I saw him, I never thought, "Oh, I'm gonna make money off this kid." Mm -hmm. I thought, "Hey." If this kid wants to go to college, I'll ask him. And then if he says yes, I'm putting him in touch with Brandon. That's what I did. And the yeah. kid writes me. He's like, thank you, Mele, for, for what you're doing. And for yeah. me, you know what? It was a simple text to you. Hey, check out this kid. Here's his film. But still, but they pre he, he appreciate because we, like I said, for example, like another kid, another kid from Serbia, his coach did the same thing. Mm -hmm. Now this kid at IMG got a free, get an $8,000 scholarship at IMG. It's going to never happen if you didn't have an ego and say, oh, I'm going to do it on my own. I'm not going to go. You know what I mean? Like things like that. Yeah. The ego don't play a role, man. So that, that's kind of where I'm at, man. Especially, I'm all for guys going to high schools that not get any development. If you can't get any development, 
from your club team and your coaches just can't help you, then I'm all for that. I'm not against high schools, but I had to stand firm and strong because it wouldn't create what it is now if I had sent everybody to high school. And, 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 and the last point on that I'm going to make is most of the, I would say 90 to 95% of kids that went to high school that got scholarships, there was already scholarship players in Europe if they would have stayed. But the European coaches would never get a credit for that because they had to go to the high school first to get their offer. But they was already talented enough. No, you're right about that. I mean, and that's kind of one thing I kind of look at where also it's not only for me where, you know, now it's just mainly coaching football, but also trying to kind of tell coaches so they understand in programs and say, you know what, like, just so you guys understand, like, this isn't about forcing kids. Like, mm-hmm. to be honest, like, you look at Hunting's situation, right? His brother, he doesn't want to go to the States. He's probably one of the better receivers. I've even, I, mean, I think that kid's going to be an all-star, European all-star. But he doesn't want to go to the States because why? He wants to, I think last thing he told me, he wants to be a teacher and just yeah, He wants to study with his parents or teachers. He wants yeah. to and he just wants to, you know, chill out here and live the European life. There's nothing against it. And that's why it goes back to conversations I would have with Jordan. Like he would ask me like in the car, be like, so tell me about Brandon and this, this, and that. And it's like, you know, we're like, even for me, like we're, we're not going out to tell these kids like, hey, like we're, we're sending right. you to the States. Right. What do you want to do with football? Right. Do you want to go to the States or no? Because if you say no, I'm not going to keep forcing them to say, all right, whatever. But if you mm-hmm. say you know, no, I really want to go and try to make a career out of this, you know, or at least, you know, try to get a scholarly. Right. Like you just said, you're going to do you're, – you're literally going to move an ocean to try to get them one, you know? And that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. But the next thing I want to touch on real quick is, like you said, you're, you're more geared towards D1s, yeah. right? And I don't know if you want to touch bases on this. I know you've been in contact with the NFL, CFL about possibly helping them in terms of a program. Because like you said, there are some guys that let's say they need a few more years or let's let's get your education now because you're not ready. But maybe you're ready in two or three years to maybe go the pathway program route because you know that now there's the NFL pathway. The CFL now is starting a fraud or two in terms of their pathway program also with the university system in Mm -hmm. Canada because like I had a few of my guys – um, in France put on the CFL watch list and there's now there's that route as well and I believe you're also tied in if you want to elaborate on that yeah I had, I, yeah I had a meeting with the NFL in New York City I was leaving it was like in Oct- October of 2019 just about six seven months ago I met with them and pretty much I mean they, they seen what I was doing in Europe and they kind of wanted to pick my brain on how can they help European football how can they find the top kids to get in this pathway program. So, I mean, I would say I earned enough of their respect to recommend kids. I'm not saying I can promise, okay, my kids going there, but they would take serious interest in any kid that I send to them. The same thing with the CFL. If if I recommended two kids for the CFL this year, they both was in the combine in Toronto. They was both invited and not saying that my word is everything for them, but it holds some weight in the credibility there. So, I mean, like I said, just like what you may lay, man, if you reach out to me about a kid that you think can go to the NFL, CFL, I'm going to make the call. I mean, that's just where relationships mm-hmm. come from and trust. That, that's what I'm about. Right. Um, what is the end, the end game in all this? What do you think? Man, to be honest, that, 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 that's something that 
I'm thinking about now that I got a lot of time. I don't, I really, I mean, I can't sustain this level of, but that's what I spoke to you about, man. My goal is to get ambassadors all over the world, man, in every part, because one good thing is, man, it's guys like yourself and other guys that really knows what it takes, man. And, and that's all it's about. So my end goal is really to try to have ambassadors over the world that we can all come together and grow this together, man, because it shouldn't be kids missed out anymore, man. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be. And I kind of want to eliminate the people that's trying to benefit monetarily off the kids. That's true. And I think that's, that's something like, I mean, we all know that's just like what it took for you to get to this point. It's going to take time and also for people to understand and then trust on a mm -hmm. whole. I mean, at least my goal talking to you right now and us talking to you rather is for people to get more insight on you. I feel like a lost uh, or a lot is lost in translation sometimes. Right, right. And like that at the end of the day, what, what are people's true intentions? At the end of the day, like we're humans and we tend to do what we read, we read books, right. cover, you know, especially like people. And that's the thing where I hope that at the end of the day, people start understanding on a wider scale that at the end of the day, if we all work together in this and we all have basically the best interests of the players at heart and it's not our pockets, mm -hmm. right, then it, it's, it's going to move that way. Because like you said, you're trying to have ambassadors and I know other people that are in it for, to help out the kids. They're not in it for money because they're literally right. no money out of it. If, right. anything, if anything, you know, those people and we're out there, what, like when I go to here, like we're, we're, or at least before when I was making practically nothing, we're spending our hard earned money just to take a train up there, figure it out or take a blah, blah card, you know, whatever mm -hmm. we got to do to help out these kids. Cause I remember the first camp I went out there, it was in, um, Darmstadt, wasn't it? Darmstadt, yeah. And I remember going out with Chris Azalea, who now lately played with the Baltimore Ravens. But I remember mm -hmm. sleeping on um, – Yeah, yeah. I had the – It was – Boy, Shores. Shores, yeah. <laughs> me, me and Chris and then uh, Lawrence, who now plays uh, in the GFL, um, we slept on his couch. Yeah, I, I remember. You know, and people don't understand. It's like, shit, like, everybody was grinding. Everybody was grinding, man. Like I said, that – I mean, that's that's the sad part, man, in this whole thing, man, that I sometimes, I'm not saying I'm in physical tears, but I'm in the inside in tears. Like, why are people not like me? And I'm, the only thing I'm trying to do is help people out here. I, you got a, you got a lot of, I mean, we, we all say we shouldn't care what people think, but, you know, we all human. Yeah. You look back like, damn, I worked so hard to help somebody, and you get people to talk bad about me for, for no reason. But like I said, my, my last thing on that is, um, I mean, I even had kids that was working with me that stopped working with me because they couldn't get a division one scholarship. Oh, I'm going with this organization. Okay. What can this organization do that I couldn't? I don't understand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they promise you, what? Like, so it is what it is. It is what it is. What I like to say is, Sports, and that is why we all love sports, is about numbers, you know. And in sports, college, European scholarships, your number is the highest. No, you know? What they say, men lie, women lie, numbers <laughs> don't, man. Exactly. Numbers <laughs> don't lie. And for all the kids out there, it's really, if you, like, like uh, uh, Brandon say, if you want to make a vacation trip, this is not for you. But if you want to be a Division One uh, scholarship player 
and this is what European kids don't understand is what costs a scholarship at Alabama? Mm. How much you have to pay for it? And you mm. get it for free and you play in front of 100,000 spectators and you finish Alabama, you get a job. You get a job who brings you everywhere you want. So this is what you bring on the table. And I, this is why I was quiet today because I love to listen to you because this is just like, I think we can keep that for three more hours. Yeah, and it's really 61 scholarships. This is not coming from, we do this half gas. This is really coming from heartbeat 24 seven. And I love to see what you're doing and I appreciate uh, what you're doing. And if I have a kid one day, <laughs> I hope you see <laughs> Thank you, man. No, I mean, I, I couldn't have said it better. And this is coming from a guy who ended up having to go JUCO and then got hurt and then went private school. And I was lucky that I had good grades to where, you know, they gave me more money. Right, right. And I only paid like 700 bucks a month. And for a lot of people out here, they're like, that's a lot. And I'm like, my tuition was 50,000 a year. And, right, like, right. and I was paying 700 bucks a month. So, you know, if you can't afford that and you're talking to Brandon, it's like, well, really? I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> but I appreciate you a lot. I mean, you mean, I mean, you mean the world to me, you know, you're also, like I said, you're a guy that helped me get to where I am just because of, like we talked about, you know, it's good having good people around you that are hungry. And I appreciate you taking the time, especially out of your day, because it's family time right now with your son, since he wants to play with the computer. Yeah, 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 man. Podcast. Okay. No, I mean, I appreciate what you guys doing, man. Spreading the word, man. If you guys need something from me, I told you immediately, man. Anything for you, brother. Appreciate it. All right. All right. God bless. And All right, y'all, man. God bless, man. Be easy. Bye-bye.